It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where a Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. But we're going to give you sort of the grace and space to do that. It is time for Faith and Life to Connect on Rise FM. I have the king of the cranium in the house. Tom Russell is here from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. And I'm Scott. And uh, today we're going to take a very different, uh, a lighter approach to things as we begin the new year. And uh, we're going to talk about how to be the next Tom Russell. (laughs) That's a scary thought, of which my wife said, one's enough. (laughs) One is enough. Well, one of your particular Tom Russell is enough. The one thing I often thought we needed was more men and women like you, who Uh God is using to touch and, and help people across the area. So we're going to talk today about how to literally be a Christian counselor, what all is involved in it. And this may be something you can pass on to your kids if they're interested in this profession or they thought about counseling, or maybe you've thought about a counseling career, making a change. Uh, This thought, I thought this could be beneficial. But as we always do, Tom, we jump into God's Word, and uh, today you're going to hit us with a twofer? Yes! Oh, boy! There's two passages that are really important, Scott, today. Out of Psalms 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go that all of us, God has a plan for, and he will teach us what way to go. It's interesting, just now on my phone, this scripture popped up, Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. I think that's what an important timing-wise passage did just show up. So now that we're talking about three. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Oh, triple scoop. Yeah. So he will show us a way to go. He will help us and keep his eye on us as we try to do his will. I think that's huge. Before seminary, and as I was contemplating and praying, Kathy and I were praying about seminary, always this particular verse was really important. Uh, Paul's writings in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So when we talk about that, that we can become a new creation in Christ by the, the power of the Holy Spirit in us, when we invite Jesus into our lives, he comes in the form of the Holy Spirit in us. Now let's nurture that. Let's grow that. Let's help understand that. Let's help uh, when the enemy attacks that with things like depression and anxiety, that we can find victory in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that was really important to me long before seminary, Scott. Wow. So there's our, our track for the day. Maybe a little bit of a peek behind the microphone of Tom so you kind of get an idea of where he's coming from. Yes. So, all right, we're going to dive into a lot of different topics here. And probably the first thing that we ought to talk about a little bit is what kind of um, 
uh, personality type? What kind of temperament should someone have if they want to do what you do? Let me lay out in a nutshell a small uh, a version. So they need to be a squirrel? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sorry, too easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, it could be pretty squirrely around <laughs> you, here you today. You could be nuts about it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. One very simple way to look at it. Gary Smalley in the mid-80s talked about four different personalities. There's a whole lot of personality inventories in different versions. The personalities are like animals. They're all animal types. The, the lion, who's the leader and leads with a heavy hand, and it's going to be my way, and he rules... The alpha. Yes. And then there's there's also the beaver, who's the doer. He's the worker. He's the one who's going to be spending incredible amount of time working. And details are important to him as, as they are to the lion. So then there's the otter, which is the party waiting to happen. <laughs> but the problem with the, the otter is they probably won't show up at the party because they're detail-challenged. <laughs> Either they're going to have the wrong day, the wrong time, or the wrong address. I can relate. (laughs) And all they said was, there's a party. They didn't bother to plan it. The beaver planned the party. That's right. The lion yelled for everybody to be there, and then the otter just completely forgot what day of the week it was. Oh, we were going to have a party. Oh, that's right. (laughs) We were going to do that. Well, let's do it again. (laughs) Yes, I probably won't show up again. (laughs) And then there's the golden retriever. That's the personality that is a very loving, relational individual. So when we talk about personalities, it depends on what your strength is. There may be a place in counseling for all four of those personalities. But what will happen is you may, if you're a lion, you may be more so driven to do something along the lines of being a leader in a counseling practice or capacity somewhere. When we look at the beaver, they're going to be the one who is going to be very driven to write the employee guide. Uh, the employee handbook in, for the practice. Yeah, that's a scary <laughs> thought to me. That would put me to sleep just thinking about it. And then the otter really would do well at helping promote the practice. The problem is they probably will forget some of the details this year. <laughs> I could see the beaver being the one that that co- winds up coming back and being the professor of and teaches yeah. the next generations coming up. Yeah, and that's true. The golden retriever would be the one who would really do well at family therapy, would really do well at marriage, and would have a great relationship with the client in the professional setting. Roger's theory years ago was really about client-centered. In other words, they want to feel the good uh, outcomes just based in the fact of how the counselor treats them in session. And so based on that, they, they are really great. Well, for me, the first two, I don't have no, no evidence that they exist in me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm certainly not the lion. I'm certainly not the beaver. I may have been a little bit, I needed to be a beaver to make it through seminary, more on that to come. But I'm definitely the otter, and that's why it's important I have a staff around me that is (laughs) detail-oriented. Well, I kind of see Kathy that way for you. Oh, she is. Oh, very much so. Those are the complementary traits of our relationship. 
I have no clue, and she does. About <laughs> oh yeah, we're having a Christmas party. I think it's tomorrow night. No, it's Saturday. <laughs> it's at seven. <laughs> yes. You're supposed to have bought me a present by now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, and bless her heart, she's got the patience of Job with that. (laughs) But we also have that wisdom, relationship wisdom, to be able to help. And so the ability to connect for us becomes natural. So anyway, that's really important. Okay. So today on the session, we're talking about how you could be the next Tom Russell, how you (laughs) could be a, a Christian counselor. Now, the captain obvious thing is, first of all, you need to be a believer. Absolutely. If you're going to be a Christian counselor, you need to be a Christian. Okay, so we got yeah. that out of the way. Stop screaming at the radio. I got to it. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> now I, I have wondered this. You know, I haven't been in counseling, but I've seen your practice grow. Right. I'm just wondering, is it an, an important component that a counselor be married? Well, great question. If we're talking about marriage counseling, I think there's a real everyday presence of that. Couples coming in for marriage counseling do want to talk to someone who's married. There's just a different respect for if they are not married versus married. Now, you know, marriages come in to my office and, you know, they know that Kathy and I have been married for hundreds of years. (laughs) Ever since the playground in third grade. (laughs) That's right. The one room schoolhouse, you know, I had the little picket fence around. (laughs) And I shared with a couple this week that what I'm going to share with you came because, number one, I have a a master's degree in counseling, and I went to a very strong school for marriage counseling. Where you're also going to hear this from is the experience that Kathy and I have had over hundreds of years of marriage. (laughs) You're going to hear that too. And I tell them that I would never call them to or ask them to do something I wouldn't do myself. So it's it's very real and very transparent. So a a single person fresh out of college that thinks they want to do marriage and family counseling, how would you advise them if they're coming into you wanting a job? When that has happened, we want to see them do things like work on individuals. We want to see them grow in that capacity of working with depression and anxiety and get their feet wet and get an understanding of what they they really want to have happen. What's interesting too is that some of the younger people would relate to some of the younger ones just coming out of college. You know, if we have a 17-year-old young lady who's struggling with depression and we let her see one of our therapists who's 60 years old, it's going to be like a grandma-grandchild relationship. And, you know, that could be good, but if... The seventeen-year-olds reminded of her grandma that she really is struggling with. When from the counselor, that's not going to work out very well. So we we do want to be careful there, and we want to find their fit. And one of the things when we do bring on a, a new counselor, one of the, my important questions is, "What is your heart for counseling? Tell me what drew you into the field." Well, you know, for them, some might say, "Well, I really want to help." Uh, people who are, have been abused or I really want to help people who have high degree of anxiety because they can relate to it. Um, who may have had a horrible childhood because of what was going on at home. They, they were driven by that. So that becomes important based on what their heart is. That will also talk about, does it fit our need? 
Right. Do you need another one of those? Yeah. Yeah. If you've already got three, you may not need another one right now. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Right. Or if you're thinking about retiring and maybe you need to think about, well, I need to replace me, so I need another family counselor and marriage yeah. counselor and that kind and of thing. And the challenge with that is, as my wife said, one Tom Russell's enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the idea of uh, of education. This is okay. a big deal, of course, because you can't just get out of high school and say, Bamo, I'm a counselor. Yes, yeah, that's it doesn't true. Work, it doesn't work that way. And, and so what it's going to require is a bachelor's degree in a related field. Uh, my bachelor's, as an example, at Ohio State was in early and middle childhood development, basically child psych. They taught us about children at Ohio State. Then they taught us how to teach. So then you're going to, once you have a bachelor's degree, then you want to go for a master's. In the state of Ohio, you have to have a master's degree in order to get licensed and you can't practice without a license. But this has been my attitude about college all the way along. It really is a battle of attrition. If you outlast them, they get tired of you. <laughs> <laughs> and they kick you out with a diploma. Eventually, you just want to win that battle. But when we talk about what the vision is and what our God has called us to, now what we want to look at is if this is his plan, then let's let's set some long-term goals. This and, is starting to sound familiar. Yes, you might have heard this before. <laughs> yeah, that will get you to your vision. Long-term goals and then short-term goal, goals that would relate to the long-term and then goals of the week and goals of the day. And as you complete the goals of the day and you stay in the here and now, time's going to pass by anyway. Right. How exciting to think that if you keep focused on your vision eventually you're going to be living in your vision now did you have to write a thesis for your masters i had to write a practicum now i have two masters so in my (laughs) yeah my sorry my wheels are spinning the wrong way god is your master then you have your wife and then you have two paper you have two paper degrees to say you have a master's degree that's true so you have four masters that's right okay I'm in love with two of them. <laughs> and you spent a whole lot of money on three of them. <laughs> yes. Okay. All yeah. right. So what are, what's you, what are your two masters in? I have a master's in education in curriculum and instruction. That's the one I had to write a practicum for. Okay. Uh, it was basically a book. And what I did for it was, I, believe it or not, I designed a classroom management program using goal setting. And somewhere buried very deep in the archives of Ashland University, probably very dusty and with a lot of cobwebs on it, it's in there. So then my second one, when I from seminary, my master's in counseling, we did not have to write a practicum or a thesis, but we had enough other stuff that we had to pass to get out of our clinical uh, classes, comprehensives where it was the whole program you sat and took a test for. I think I would have rather written another practicum. practicum. (laughs) Okay. That brings back memories. Now, after the the two masters, do do people go on and get a PhD in clinical counseling or? They can, but we're looking at more years to go. Basically, it depends on what your strength is or what your vision is or what you want to do. 
a lot of PhD work, you could do strictly counseling, but most of the time that puts you in the uh, psychologist category. Most PhDs, I, I would say, it's that's been my experience. They're psychologists, but they do more assessment, and that's not what my my passion was. A PhD for me doing what I'm doing, well, yeah, okay, maybe it would have been another tool in my tool bag. By the time I finished Emerge, my clinical classes, I was spent. You were done with education. Oh, man, I, I did, yeah. Would, would a So let's talk about that difference. I didn't even think about that. The difference between a psychologist and a counselor. Right. What, right. what is the difference between the two? Is it just really the piece of paper? Well, to a degree, if we go back to the personality inventories we talked about earlier, they would more likely be the lion and the beaver. The, the beaver would be more detail-oriented, more interested in statistics. They may see graphs that they have to work with. Some of the assessments, uh, the MMPI, Whoa. Whoa. Those are not M&Ms <laughs> in my personal interest in them. No, but more so what that is, is assessment, a personality assessment that has like 400 and some questions to it. Either you agree with the statement or you disagree. And based on the results of it, it brings it out in these, these graphs. And psychologists, that's part of, I think, more times than not, their expertise now, others can, depending on your licensure and your certification, you probably can do it. But psychologists are more so interested in those kinds of assessments. They may also be looking at, at other assessments on drugs and alcohol and assessing is the person, from an emotional point, healthy enough to go on and maybe bypass some of the prison or that kind of thing. That's what the psychologist does. I wanted the face-to-face stuff. I wanted to be able to sit across from a, a patient and help them and hear them. In the state of Ohio, what type of certification or licensure do you need to have? I have a licensed professional clinical counselor supervising license. So basically in the state of Ohio, that means that I can be independent I do not have to sit under a PhD or an MD to have our practice. And so it also means that I can have licensed professional clinical counselors. Now that's an LPC. We call it in the field getting your extra, your next C. <laughs> okay. Before they get their next C or if they are an intern or if they ha- are doing their practicum, I can supervise them. I can teach them and then sign off and they'll actually get credit from the state board in order to be able to move on. The next thing I wanted to ask you about, is it better to have your own practice or to practice with somebody else? Well, and again, it goes back to your personality. It goes back to what's your vision? For me, now, I interrupted a, or or maybe say God interrupted a teaching career. So, I was in my late 30s when God began to call. So that vision for me was always, and and this is amazing, that it was going to be a private practice with the name Heritage in it, and believe it or not, on Lexington Avenue. (laughs) That that was my vision at that time. 
And praise the Lord, today, one of our offices is on Lexington Avenue. So there it was. See, there's there's people on our staff that if I said, hey, you know, I'm going to retire someday, and you have an interest in our, our ministry? You want to buy it? And they're like, you want me to what? I don't want to deal with the stuff you deal with, Tom. I want to discounsel, and I want to be out of here. So there are those those people. They don't want to deal with the headaches necessarily that comes with owning your practice. Right. But you, it what I've said it, and in fact, I even said it this week, that we all have a relationship with our jobs. Now, some people like that relationship better <laughs> than others. <laughs> but it's true that we do. There are things that I put up with at Heritage that, you know what, I I, I probably am a little uh, tired with the business side of it. But the face-to-face, it oftentimes is energy producing. So it gives me energy. Here's your rabbit hole for the day. All right. Okay. Let's, let's do it. Are you able to set aside Tom Russell, the counselor? Yeah. When you go home and you have Tom Russell, the husband and father, right, and now grandfather, have you ever been tempted to go into counseling mode with Kathy? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And did she know it? I've learned to duck. <laughs> <laughs> did it come in handy with the kids as they were growing up, though? In in some cases, it did. But what's interesting, too, and we poke fun of it, when Kathy and I both knew that I was being called into the counseling field, she made me promise that I would never counsel her. And I think it's really good because I can just flat out tell her. (laughs) (laughs) You're not counseling her. Now you're just telling her what you think. (laughs) Yeah. No, if she should ask or, you know, I might see. I also the educational side of me, the how that's important too so psychology yeah but what god's word is saying in articles what christian research might be saying or listening to something that would be edifying to us i could say you know honey i think this would really be good we ought to listen to it together and she's really on board with it so how do you go about deciding what type of counseling you do because there's there's addiction there's drug right. and alcohol there's family counseling marriage how do you kind of decide which way to go for me my heart i just knew i knew that god clearly was saying marriage so i've often said at heritage that heritage was born in my heart for marriage that's what created it that's what got it started so but others you know they want to help the person who may have been abused because they had abuse in their history. And I never put these dots together until long after I had been in practice a number of years that I was driven, if marriage was number one on what I would love to work with and treat, a close second was parenting. What was really powerful about the parenting was this, that I realized that what I grew up with, the broken, well, I won't say broken, but the devastating negative environment that I grew up in, I was driven to help people not go through what I did. Now, there are people who are aware of that up front, and that drives them into counseling. It was just like a revelation to me after the fact. And so not only that, but then helping students who were struggling because of the home environment, which is exactly where I was, 
what after a while I began to realize, why is that so important to me? And it occurred to me because of what I grew up in to help families make education a positive and not a negative. You know, it's almost in some households, it's like a dirty word. <laughs> and it shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tom, once again, time has gotten away from us, so I, I want to stretch it. this to next week. Okay. Let's let's do a twofer on this. Okay. All right. Sure. Uh, in the meantime, if somebody would like to have a conversation with you about becoming a Christian counselor, right. you know, how can they get hold of you to start a conversation? And the teacher in me loves to teach about what, what this f- field is about. I can be reached at HeritageChristianCounselingMinistries.com. 